0: Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Welcome back in on Hit and Run on the Score. This hour is brought to you by Ryan Kelly. Visit the thehomelonexpert.com. You know what that music means? It means it's time to go out to the Score hotline where we're joined by Score baseball insider Bruce Levine. You can hear him every Saturday morning on Inside the Clubhouse. You can follow him on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine. Okay, Bruce. After talking to Chris Bryant, how do you think he's feeling? When do you think we will see him again?
1: Probably by the end of the uh, San Francisco series. Barry, uh, he, he looks. Uh, you know, I watched him take BP, hit about thirty-five balls, and it looked like he had full extension. Hit about five, five or seven home runs. You know, out of the ballpark. Hitting the ball the opposite field pretty well. Um, you know, talking to him, he seemed like, you know, maybe a day or two uh, in Tennessee. He'll start his rehab there tomorrow. Um, you know, I think he, he'll be ready to go. But he did say, you know, that this has been the most boring period of his life and that uh, he missed uh, playing baseball, but kind of uh, picked up by the fact how good his team has played uh, with him being out of the lineup.
0: Is he going to stop sliding head first?
1: Yeah, he talked about that, and it's a good point you bring up, a real good point. You know, he said, I I think I need to stop sliding head first, but he said with this big body, and he he said this on many occasions, with this big body, you know, sometimes when I slide, I don't even know where my legs are going, you know, because he slides with the the acumen of a smaller guy, and the legs just do what they want. So sometimes the best course and quickest – Avenue to that bag is a dive, which is always, you know, it, it, other than Pete Rose, you know, back in the day, uh, it's, it's always been, you know, something that people thought was reckless and dangerous, and and it continues to be from a hand injury, shoulder injury. It's just a, it's it's, it's a risky slide for just about everybody.
2: Are you surprised that it looks like they're going to bring him back a few games before the All-Star break instead of just giving him that extra rest?
1: No, I don't see any reason to, as long as he feels that he's healthy. and he's, he, Joey talked about being on a shoulder program and how he's, even though he's uh, you know, an elite baseball athlete and he's in great shape, he kind of ignored the strength and conditioning in his shoulders and that this is something that he's going to continue to have to be on top of uh, with band and weight programs for maybe the rest of his career. And uh, I think just strengthening that area and getting it to the point where it feels good again. You know, I don't know if there's a uh, minor injury in there that could reoccur. I think Joe talked about it in his pregame, too, that they'll see where he's at. Um, if, if there was any type of uh, minor terror in there or something like that where he could play, and continue to play I don't think they tell us but uh from, from all indications are he's going to be healthy enough to go out there and perform and and do this uh maintenance program both with the band work and weights and and hopefully be strong enough to get through this season and continue it on
0: Bruce I apologize in advance for asking but uh well you know what's what's the future for Tyler Chatwood
1: I don't think there's any reason to apologize for it. I think that's the number one question, though, along with when is Hendricks going to pitch like Hendricks again? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's amazing the Cubs are a game and a half out with the failures that they've had in their starting rotation. It's a testament to uh, Joe Madden and the bullpen as to how well he's used them and how well they've played that they've been able to stay up there with the, the second-best record in the National League. Uh, but, you know, Chadwood, you, you, you where are you going with that? I mean, you, you know that there's some things going on with him besides just not being able to throw it over. I mean, you know, two wild pitches in a row in the first inning. Uh, then Joe has him throw 120 pitches, which is a career high for him, just so he didn't burn out his bullpen. Um, you can't use a guy like that out of the bullpen. I mean, how, how could you do that? I mean, it, it, it wouldn't function for you. He, Because you don't know if he's going to throw enough strikes to now put more men in base, so it's it's a really tough situation. Uh, I don't know what to do with him. You know, when you have if and when you get Darvish back, then you have the luxury of uh, you know sitting somebody else down. I don't think it's the way Montgomery's pitched that it's going to necessarily be him.
2: Yeah, I'm wondering about the Montgomery situation, and we'll we'll have a larger sample size of him as a starter once Darvish is ready to return. But but it's interesting what's going on in that bullpen because Randy Rosario has been great and you want to see more out of Justin Wilson but at the moment you're not worried about the lefties in the pen. You you don't think well we've got to rush him back there cuz we're going to need him in that pen. They might and they're probably going to have to add another lefty too, right?
1: I think that's right. I asked Joe about that in the pregame. That uh you know how how essential is having Brian Dunsing back a healthy and B certainly more functional because he's been lousy this year. As, yeah. as outstanding as he was last year, that's how bad he's been this year. And, and that's like in a game yesterday, if you go back and you see he waited to get Ros- Rosario in uh, after the sixth inning, normally in that game, Dunsing's out in the, in the fifth inning. And, and Dunsing, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Chatwood's out in the fifth inning. And Dunsing's in there pitching those two innings in a, with a functional Dunsing from last year. That's how he would have navigated that game yesterday. Uh, that wasn't available to him. And uh, another left-hander is always ideal. That's why a guy like Hand from San Diego, if they're going to make a big move, get a guy like Hand uh, from the back end. If, you, if you're you going to have to give up a top prospect or two along the way, he's the type of guy uh, with contract control that will help you uh, this year, hopefully next, and uh, be you know a huge benefit to you. I mean – you guys remember back when Whitey Herzog, probably the first guy in the 80s with Kansas City, uh, and and then with uh, the Cardinals, you know, had to have three solid left-handed pitchers in that bullpen. He wanted he wanted that long guy, he wanted the, the short guy, and he wanted somebody in the backup who could be a setup man from the left side. And and he won a lot of championships and got to a lot of uh, World Series because of the fact that. He managed that way and he had those functional guys. I think Joe would like that one more left handed pitcher as well.
0: What will the state of the Reds bullpen be like today uh, against the Cubs, given what the Reds have been through over the last week or so?
1: I don't know. You know, Riggs has used his pen like it's the seventh game of the World Series, and uh, hats off to him. Uh, I, I, I don't, I have so much admiration for what he's been able to do with the Reds, but you know, you run out of bullets and it's July. You know, today, what has he got left up back there? You know, he doesn't have his clothes or uh, he doesn't have his setup, guys. I don't, I don't know what to do. I I guess he could come back with his closer again. He used them for 35 pitches on Friday, uh, but I, I don't know. You know, he used them for almost two innings. So uh, from that perspective, uh, I guess he's got to get as much out of his starter as he can or he just suffers a blowout like all the good managers have to once in a time, while. You just take it uh not to burn out the rest of your bullpen for the uh the rest of the week before the All-Star break.
2: Their last 8 wins all via the comeback variety, mm-hmm. just late inning pushes, but it also means that the Cubs are going down a lot early. How do you read this?
1: Bad starting pitching, you know, uh, you know the idea that your starters are just not, you know, it it's, it's a real bad trend when this, when you, you're hoping to get five Five good ones? I mean, what does what five good ones mean? I, I don't even understand that <laughs> philosophy. Give me five, you know, I can't get it through my head. But that, nonetheless, that's what you've been looking at with the, the cover rotation other than Lester and occasionally Quintana will get a sixth inning in. Uh, yesterday's six innings by Chatwood, that wasn't six innings. That was the guy that threw four innings and the and the manager demanded he threw two more, he was down, you know, he had given up seven runs already. So, uh, you know, hats off to the offense and the way their approach of coming back and winning these games, but that rotation's got to get straightened out if they're going to be able to keep uh, their mojo going in the second half.
2: Why do, why do you think Joe put him back out there?
1: Uh, I don't think he just didn't want to burn his on that early in a game where, you know, he thought he might be able to come back because Cincinnati didn't have their closer in the game. So he had, you know, he had a game like that uh, earlier in the homestand where they were down, and he just left people in there for a while because he he didn't want to burn his bullpen early. So I think that that was the case, and and the faith in his offense to come back against a marginal, you know, at best bullpen, you know, without the uh, closer in there for Cincinnati. He he felt there were runs that they'd be able to tack on, but. Chetwood, you know, mentally, I think, needed to go out there and throw six innings, needed to throw 120 pitches, you know, just go out there and, you know, put up a couple of zeros. He didn't, you know, there were runs scored in his last two innings. But, you know, nonetheless, you know, you have to make the guy feel like he's a starting pitcher. How do you do that when you're averaging 4.2 innings, you know, all year long? You know, there's a psychological point to this for Chetwood that he's got to get over.
0: Perhaps nothing more confusing, Bruce, than Hendricks one in four in his last six starts with a six seven five ERA, mm-hmm. averaging less than five innings with a WHIP of one six seven. What is happening?
1: Well, remember the injury, and and you know David Schuster and I were talking about this before. You know what? What if, what if he he can't? He doesn't have the same pressure points with that finger from the injury last year that kept him out seven weeks. What if it's just a tad off from the the good feeling that he had? You know, using. Uh, you know the the, ball, the sinker that he does and the and the curveball that he does uh, in the lower quadrants where he was a master for over two years. If it's even a tad off for a guy that throws 80, 88, 89 miles an hour, you, you know you're going to give up uh, a lot of hits. And the home run ball has been so prominent as to hurting him early this year. So you you, you wonder if he has that same feel in his hand or not. And uh, I'm remiss in not asking that question. And um, when I get a chance, that that's the next thing I'm going to ask is, you know, do you have that same feel in your hand that you had before this injury? Because I, I think it's a question that has to be asked.
2: Bruce, Barry has the countdown going for the All-Star show tonight to find out <laughs> who from Chicago makes it. Uh, what are the Cubs and White Sox that will be named tonight?
1: Who's going to, you know, who's been out it first before the embargo? Is that what you're saying? You think you think that'll happen? Oh, it always happens, doesn't yeah. it? You know, ruin the TV won't be, show. Won't be from us because you know I'm too old and too afraid to lose my credentials. <laughs> but uh, um, I, I think it's going to be four Cubs. Maybe Almora gets screwed uh, because of the fact that um, he's not a home run guy. Um, his OPS is surprisingly high for a guy that doesn't have a lot of extra bases but he you know he's deserving but I, I, I'm it's got to be Lester Baez Contreras I think those those three are in and Morrow um, is certainly you know I mean he's only blown one say he, he's certainly a guy that should make it Amor might be screwed he's deserving and Abreu I guess is going to maintain that lead at first base but he's been the worst hitter in baseball for the last five weeks. I don't know if anybody even noticed that he's hitting in the two fifties right now after hitting 300 and the last five weeks have been brutal for him, but there's really no more deserving White Sox player anyway. That,
2: That AL first baseman list is garbage.
1: It really is. I mean, you know, you know, name, name the great AL first baseman out there right now, the guy that, you know, is more deserving than Abreu. You'd be hard pressed to do it, but nonetheless, I think that that's your list: four Cubs, one White Sox. I think that's how it shakes down.
0: Avi Garcia with six homers in his last ten games. Uh, is he going to start to drum up some interest around the game?
1: I think I think it will because you know, in the off season, the White Sox had absolutely no action on him whatsoever, zero. And the reason they heard back. Was the metrics reason that so here's a guy that hit three thirty, but he hit eighteen home runs? There was hundred and four guys that hit twenty or more home runs last year. Uh, they were not interested in a guy that doesn't lift the ball. Well, now you're seeing lift from the guy. What does he have? Like seven home runs in the last uh, nine games or ten games? So, from that perspective, guys, do you think of like a, a really good double A prospect coming back from another team is that enough for you for Garcia?
0: Um. Yeah, probably. I mean, what's no. what's the there's there's n- no point in keeping. There's no point in going on uh, with this, right?
1: I don't think so. I, I mean, and, and it's not like he hasn't made himself look. Hats off to the guy. He's made himself a pretty good player. He's not a great outfielder. He, you know, he'll make some awful mistakes out there. He's got a pretty good arm, but he's made himself into a, a good hitter. That in a in a real good lineup, I think he can help somebody. So. From all that, maybe you even have the DH open to him on another team. So from from all of that, uh, yeah, I think you get that a good Double A prospect for him. White Sox fans out there might be screaming, hey, "This guy's a really good hitter. What do you mean just a Double A player?" Well, White Sox are still in the ad mode. If if you've noticed, you know a lot of guys are still in proving that they're they're going to be major league players. They they need a lot more young players added to this mix. Before they're going to be satisfied with this rebuild,
2: yeah, not a pitcher. Uh, so Avi Shields, any other names that would surprise is, us?
1: You know, after his start yesterday, really Shields. What, what are you going to really? I mean, Shields now to me is a is a an August pickup uh, off of waivers. Okay, that where somebody goes down on your staff late on a contending team, and you need to fortify it. Just to roll into the playoffs, I think that that's where Shields is at. I, you get relatively nothing back for him, hey, and I've been a big fan of Shields the way he's pitched this year. He's pitched great uh, at times, but you know you're not going to you're not going to trust him in in big games going down to the end unless somebody got hurt. Yeah. so uh, I think it's I think it's Avi, and, and and that's about it. I, I don't, you know, Soria, I guess, can bring you back something. Nobody's going to look at him as a closer. They'll look at him as a secondary set, set up guy, and maybe he can get something decent back. But honestly, I don't see the White Sox getting a lot back for any of their guys right now. The,
0: the, the Shields moment from uh, almost a week ago now, last Monday, when he's taken out after 88 pitches and appeared to be yelling at Renteria, um, I don't know how you feel about that, Bruce. I didn't think it was a good look for him. Or for renteria, especially for a veteran guy and a young team, and a guy who's supposed to be one of the one of the guys mentoring young players. Yeah. Do you think I'm making too much of that?
1: No, but uh, but he, he you know talk to Joe Madden sometime. He'll tell you he's uh, John Lackey. Uh, that he had as much trouble getting the ball away from him on mm-hmm. the mound of any pitcher that he ever had, including Lackey. That he would not come out of game. His mentality was the the bulldog that would bite you when you came to get the ball, okay? That was – that's James Shields. So I think there's tremendous mutual respect between Renteria and um, and, and Shields. But Shields has that – you know, he just has that mentality that you're not getting the ball away from me and I'm the best guy to be out there. And, you know, it was ugly when Lackey did it. It's ugly when Shields did it. But it's it's part of their DNA, DNA and part of what made them great.
0: As as for Abreu's future in Chicago, are we past the point of wondering whether they're going to even entertain offers about him?
1: I'll throw it back at you guys. I mean, do you get, you know, after this meltdown, you know, over the last five five weeks, does it change the whole perspective? In other words, uh, do you hope he builds himself back up just so you can trade him with one year left? I I don't know. I mean, I understood the dynamic of. That he exemplifies the the type of player they want uh, going toward the future. That he's a veteran player that young players look to. I think a lot of that is just way overblown at this point. This this team's not ready to win. Um, They have a manager who is in charge of all that. They have coaches and a front office in charge of all that. I think that uh, I think Abreu, for his own good and for the team's own good, would be. Best off being traded and bringing something good back for the White Sox. I I like Abreu as much as anybody, but I don't like him for the White Sox right now. Going forward, they have him listed at thirty one. Okay, by the time they're good, he's thirty three or thirty four. You have to make a decision uh, after next season to extend a contract or let him go as a free agent. So I, I would trade him now if I could. If I get Top value bet. Yeah,
2: I I agree with all of those points, Bruce. But I just don't think they're going to like what they hear at the other uh, end of those calls. The, the yeah. value is just not going to be there. Uh, we know what are we talking about with all of these teams that are going to be in the hunt for a playoff spot. It's about starting pitching and relief pitching.
1: Yeah, and, and and you know the point you brought up about there's hardly any good first baseman in the American League. Yeah, <laughs> they might they might be able to get. More value than we think, okay. because of that fact, you know, and maybe that's pie in the sky, but you know, just from you know what is available, you know, supply and demand, maybe they get more than we think, even with this meltdown of the last five weeks.
0: Bruce, thanks for your time. We always enjoy it. We'll talk to you next week.
1: Guys, have a great day. Thanks. Take.
0: Care. Thanks, Bruce. Bruce Levine. Scores very own. You hear him every Saturday morning on, ins- <laughs> on inside the clubhouse. What am I missing? Well, he put him on hold before I could. Eli did. Oh, I thought you Eli. were the one with the quick trigger finger. Eli hit the button before Why? I could even hit it. What's wrong with? I don't you? know. Being very odd
2: today. Yeah, that's different.
0: Uh, I think that um, you know he'll probably have a good second half because he usually does. Yep, and I think then you try again to move him in the off season because he's he's not going to be a part of this. Really, is he three years from now, four years from now? That's what we're
2: talking is about he? this twenty twenty I know you love 2020 him. Twenty twenty is a pipe dream. Get that out of your minds.
0: Okay? I know why. I know White Sox fans love him, and I understand why. And I know he's very popular in that clubhouse, and I understand why. And I understand his value as a Hispanic player in that clubhouse. He was a groundbreaker. And he matters to those guys in that room and will matter to those who are coming next. But I, but you have to be realistic about whether he's going to be here and whether you're willing to pay him a year and a half from now. And if somebody this winter, as the big names are going for big money, there will be teams looking for a DH. There will yeah. be teams looking for that bat, that one more bat that extends a lineup I think there will be some value there. I don't I don't I don't know how much, but there will be some value there. And I think you gotta think about it this winter, or else you lose him as a free agent after next season.
2: Yep. I, I agree with you one hundred percent. And the idea of twenty twenty being the year that yep. was if everything worked out perfectly. As we know, that has not been the case. I'm not I'm not saying, oh, it's now a longer rebuild than expected. But things that happen in a baseball season have happened to the White Sox throughout their farm system. By my calculations, it's 2018,
0: and I remember the first week of the season when I don't know if you got this, but I did, Joe. People mad at me because I said the Sox will not compete this year. People were actually talking about this season,
2: you know, I, as them competing. You know, I talk and tweet a lot about gambling. I was bombarded with upset fans because I said under 68 wins. Everybody was saying, "Oh, that's easy. They might be 500 this year." No. We make a lot of predictions.
0: That's what we do, at least those of us who are unafraid to do so, and you're going to be you're going to be wrong quite a bit. Sometimes you'll be right, but it's just funny how people yes. tend to remember the ones that you're oh, wrong about, as opposed
2: do. to the ones. Yeah, that, you get zero credit
0: for. He'll be right wins about. there. All right, we got to take a break because Eli's waving like a madman. I don't know why. <sighs> I don't know what his hurry is. I don't I know don't where know. we have to be. He's playing. We don't have. Yeah. We don't have guests. We don't have breaks. We don't have. We don't have issues. Uh, well, but we do? But, it's a producer. But he's waving like a madman. Uh, this segment on the score is brought to you by Newmail Medical Center. Discover the new you. New Mail Medical Center. So let's take a break, and then we'll come back for a final segment of Hit and Run. We have Sox things. We have Cubs things. We have more audio. We have more treats. We have more issues. We have more nuggets. We have more Hit and Run on the score.
1: Welcome to Play It, a new
0: podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Welcome back in on Hit and Run on the Score. Final few minutes with you, taking you up to Cubs baseball. Can I ask you a question, Joe Ostrowski? Sure. I know Joey is a great hitter. <laughs> oh, here he's, a one of, he's one of the best. No, he's one of the best hitters in the game. There's no question about it. Yeah. There have been some moments, though, over these last two series with the Cubs where I've watched him and thought, I'm not sure I know what you're doing. Um, he has not been good with guys in scoring position. During these last two series, at mm-hmm. least the moments that I remember, and then yesterday he's leading off top of the ninth. You got a you got a new pitcher in the game. Granted, it's Morrow who's been outstanding for the Cubs, but he starts him off two and zero, and then he grounds weakly to second base. Two and zero. Don't you take another pitch there? I mean, you're Mister on
2: base percentage anyway, right? Don't you take a pitch there? We've seen him. Early when they were playing in Cincinnati, he was going after three o pitches too. I believe the numbers I, I'd have to look all this up, but I believe the numbers show that when he's way ahead in counts, he crushes okay, it. Okay. Just enough. absolutely crushes fair it. Fair
0: enough. I just think, you know, when you got a new guy coming in out of the pen and his first two pitches are not close, you let him see if he can throw a strike when you're down a
2: run. Uh this year, three and one counts, he's hitting four twenty one. Um, three. Well, that's a small sample size. I was gonna say three and O counts. He's great too. Uh, Two one counts. He's hitting five hundred. How about two and O six hundred? Okay, fair enough. All right, I'm a bad guy. I'm small a, small sample, but I'm a no. When he gets ahead and counts, fine. I'm a bad guy. You give him something to pitch, he, he'll do some damage there. Something Did you see hit, the yeah. video that went viral yesterday with Joey Votto? Oh, you there's one There's one every day Well, with him. The, the, the newest one was at Wrigley. Yesterday morning it came oh, out. Where he,
0: uh, not the one where he gets the ball for Rosario. No, no, no. That was during this the was game. This was
2: outside of Wrigley Field. He's trying to go into the ballpark. Security stops him. Who are you? And there's a, a fan, obviously a Reds fan, taking video of him like uh, laughing. And he's trying to explain. He's like, I'm playing in the game. Can I please go in? And then Vado turns to the camera. He's like, hey, buddy. Who am I? It's like, you're Joey Votto. And then security let him in. (laughs) The guy had no idea.
0: That's outstanding. He's always uh, in the middle of something. He's a very entertaining guy, on top of obviously being a great hitter. Very entertaining guy. This was, Eli,
3: what was this? This was Letterman and Seinfeld. So on Letterman's Netflix show, they were talking about a story with Joey Votto, how they saw him at a game. See, I don't get it. You know, I don't know if it's with you old people, Joe, but you hate on David Letterman. I get he's not on TV When did anymore. I hate
2: on David Letterman?
3: What are I, you, just... I, well, maybe it was Barry. I asked you, well, do you like David Letterman? And you said, not nah, since 1983.
0: No, that's not what I said. I said he was great in 1983. Haven't spent a lot of time watching him since then. Um, but... See, but you and Joe are We get these annoying always,
2: text messages from Eli every Saturday, so people don't—
0: know. You know, Joe's just had it with you, Eli. Yeah, he's, he's just done. done with you, and whenever you make a suggestion, he immediately dismisses it because, you know, your track record is not good. Now you got so, your
2: podcast going on here, the Yahoo.
0: That's what so, I have to say to you, Joe. So, all right, so this is Letterman and Seinfeld on Joey Votto.
4: I went to uh, uh, see the Sandy Reds play. That was my boyhood team. Right Uh, There's a Joey Votto Are you familiar with this guy? Sure I know Joey Votto Yeah Tremendous player Tremendous Yeah, First baseman The stadium is packed And it's just about this quiet So Joey Votto comes over To where the batter's box uh, The on-deck circle used to be And so he's standing there And he's he's swinging the lead bat And he says uh, This will be uh, my last bat He's saying this to us We're in the stands And we said (laughs) Oh, okay, Joey Well, good luck and he said, I just wanted to thank you for coming to the game. I, I thought that was the nicest thing. He, why is he saying thanks for coming? That's, he's a nice man. Has, has that ever happened to you at a Yes, moment? it has. Really? With Joey Votto. I'm not lying. I'm not lying. I was at a Dodger game like a month ago. And Joey Votto, you think I'm making this up? Yes. I'm not. Yes. I am not. George, you you were there. And Joey Votto was standing on first base, and and he has these great seats, show business. And Joey Votto turns to me, and he goes, Hey, Jerry, how you doing? And I just got so... I I, I just leapt out of my skin. I was so excited. Joey Votto knows who I am. Yeah, yeah. But it it was different. And I don't want to diminish your little adventure. (laughs) But he he is standing there. The game's in prog- progress. Yeah. He's got the, the the weighted bat. Yeah. And it's like, uh, oh, uh, be sure and get your coat and uh, thank you for coming over. And we had a lovely evening. Well, and because can it's you back? though. Well, no, it's not me. It's you I. Think uh, you think he goes down the line, the first base line, and says, "And thank you, and <laughs> you were great too. I appreciate all your cheering."
2: <laughs> You're Dave Letterman, no, you but idiot. They- <laughs> You know what? You are Seinfeld. You really are. Just everything. Great find, Eli. That was one. That was good. Thanks, man. Wow, <clears throat> the sincerity. You I I was to...
0: being sincere though. Hey, Eli can't accept a compliment from you because you belittle him and berate him constantly. This is incorrect. Feel like a parent. Having to step in the, is... into the middle of you two all the time—it's exhausting. That is
2: funny. I, I I'm a fan of Votto. He's great. He is.
3: And let's for for uh let's let's read this text message here from Joe, just so people understand what I have to deal oh, with. No. We, no, 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 Don't. no, no.
2: There's probably something vulgar. No, it's not. It's I'm not. I'm telling I say, you to do something. To I said, <laughs> you guys.
3: <laughs> I say, are you guys fans of David Letterman? Have something funny for tomorrow. If so, Joe says, I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> then I say, Seinfeld kind of calls him out. It's pretty funny. Joe says, I said, stop. <laughs> Go ahead. Yes. I'm leaving it, dude.
2: Yes, that was a plan. Yeah, but I didn't have to leave it. Yeah.
0: He just doesn't want to hear from you during the week,
2: Eli. That's all. Or set. or weekend. <laughs> uh, this, this was a tweet. You know, Tom... H- Audra Court, covered yes. the Brewers a long, long time. Uh, he tweets this this morning. There is a report from the Baltimore Sun that the Brewers have made a- an actual offer to the Orioles for Manny Machado. Not surprisingly, GM David Stearns wouldn't comment. Considering the shortstop situation, I have no doubt there is truth to the report. Other teams consider favorites, though. This was recent? This is an
0: hour ago. Okay. So you got the Brewers. You know the Dodgers are heavy into that. Yeah. The Phillies supposedly are unhappy with the Orioles' asking price, but that's just that's negotiating. And it's they posturing. don't
2: get them, they'll get them in the offseason. Him or Harper, I think. How about both? Boy. Why, why couldn't they? They could. They, they absolutely can. Um, would you pay Harper his asking price based on what you've seen this year? Nothing that's happened this year. If I
0: wanted him before this year, nothing that's happened this year would probably affect my decision-making.
2: I might try I'd, to bring the price down. I'd like to see some improvement in the second half. See hitting—I I know the power is still there, but he, you are hitting 200. Yeah, we, we talked to Mike Rizzo about it
0: last week, and uh, he he made fun of those who are dissecting Harper— I, I again, and I'm one of those people who's done it, so shame on me. But I just see him trying to pull everything. He he was, you know, he's certainly capable of of driving the gap the other way. I think if yeah, I think he just, I think he needs to relax. I'm sure the pressure of the contract has become a thing. The window is a huge story in Washington. It's all they talk about. They've had all they these should. They've had all these injuries,
2: Well, he's also a guy that, that doesn't seem to be willing to accept his walks, too. What if I've two I've uh,
0: let me throw these really strange questions at you. Go. What if what if the Nationals went to Scott Boris right now and and made him another offer? Do you think, given the circumstances, there's any chance Harper would change his mind and stop short of free agency at this point, given what's happened to him this year? That's one question. The other question is, what if this, what, what are the Nets? five games out right now? Something like that. What if in two weeks?
2: I, I know where you're going with this What one. if
0: in two weeks, they're ten games out and in third place? Would you consider trading them? Those are hard. Those are hard. 10. They could go
2: from five to 10. If you trade them. And they're in third place. Even if you're going to bid, you're probably not getting them. You mean get him back?
0: I don't think you will. Well, it doesn't look like you're getting them back anyway. I mean, if he wanted to resign,
2: he could already resign. I could see him resigning with Washington. I could see it. I think they'll be in a running. It'll be tough. Given the teams you're going against and the upside of the teams you're going against, and you're kind of on the downturn a little bit here. And it's been a rough season there. Um boy, ten, yes. Ten I would. Could go from five to ten in the next two weeks. I mean I don't say so a saying very easy schedule coming
0: up. Not saying that's gonna happen. But if it did, would you consider moving? I would consider it. Absolutely.
2: Because that type of move, what do you what are you gonna get? I mean, you you could get at something big. I know it's a rental, but you could still get something big. It's Bryce Harper. Listen, if he's gone from the Nationals, I know this is one of the biggest stories in baseball, but if he's off the Nationals next year, they're not a bottom feeder. They're still a really good team contending for the playoffs if you don't have Bryce Harper. You don't think so? No, I do. I, okay. I, I agree with you.
0: And with I'm what just, Soto just, has done in his, as a rookie, and you know Rizzo's got more coming. He's of always course got he does. more coming. We haven't even seen anything from Robles yet. I mean, I don't hear a lot of panic from the Nationals. At least, at least, you know, in my conversations with Rizzo, I don't
2: hear any panic. Do you think any part of them is hoping that one of the major market teams comes over the top with a crazy four hundred million dollar offer? It's funny how sometimes.
0: And not sometimes. It seems like most of the time, when you lose and you lose a player, especially to another team that makes a ridiculous offer, it usually works out better for you. And that's hard to say with Bryce Harper, who's clearly among the top two or three players in the game, notwithstanding his difficulties this year. Usually, works out better. I mean, there's a lot more more Carmelo Anthony's than there are the opposite.
2: The ones that jump out in the division,
0: Albert Pujols, Cardinals leaving. I mean, there are are many fewer Greg Maddox, Carlos Beltran, Alex Rodriguez types than there are the opposite. The ones that get paid an extraordinary amount of money, and it turns out you were better off not paying it. It's a lot more David Prices.
3: Eli, do you have some quick minor league notes? Yeah, so going back with Michael Kopak, you were talking about walks with Bryce Harper. Joe, Kopak on Thursday, three innings pits, three hits, four earned runs, six strikeouts, four walks, a 4.70 ERA in 17 starts this season, and a 15.2% walk rate. That's his highest since high A ball in 2016. You want me to keep going? Yes. Okay. And then other pitchers who are struggling too, going back up to Double A, Alec Hansen on Friday's third start of 2018, uh, four innings pitched, two hits, three earned runs, four strikeouts, six walks, has a seven seven one ERA in four Double A starts. So it's like you like you guys always talk about. You have to take this into to retrospect because they're so young, but it's still concerning right now. What about uh, injuries? So Eloy Jimenez was placed on the DL along with, and he's in AAA right now, along with Luis Robert uh, for his thumb injury, who's out for two. Same weeks. thumb? Yes. I mean, yes same yes, thumb? So. Is that it? Zach Collins, a 222 bad average. On? Is it a computer Two-0 over runs, there? Seven RPI. I have this recorded. Uh, 254. Uh, batting average, 411 on base percentage and 445 on the slugging. 11 home runs, 42 RBI overall this season. Leads the Southern League and walks with 52, but 70 strikeouts.
2: Thank you, Eli. This hour of Hit and Run is brought to you by Northwestern Football. The Wildcats coming off a 10-win season. Host Michigan, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Notre Dame, and more this fall at Ryan Field. Season and single-game tickets are on sale now at nusports.com. Yes, Barry?
0: Play the music, Eli. What are
4: you laughing at? Why are you laughing? It's time for thank yous. I'm the one that
0: abuses Eli. It's time for thank yous to our great producer, Eli Hershkovich. Really, he works very hard. He really does work very hard, and he does a great job for us. Thanks to our guest, Bernie McLaz. Jeff Blum and Bruce Levine, thanks for calling. Thanks for texting. Most of all, thank you for listening. We really appreciate you spending some of your Sunday with us. Stay tuned now for the Cubs pregame show starring Zach Zaidman and featuring Joe Madden, Jim Hickey, Len Casper, and Ron Coomer. And then it's Cubs baseball with Pat Hughes and Ron Coomer right here on the radio home of the Chicago Cubs. It's Luis Castillo and John Lester. Have a great rest of your Sunday, everybody.
2: Hasta la
1: vista, baby. I carpool with McGowan to the ballpark in the morning. McGowan? Are you kidding me? Wow. Holy Moses. How about that for a sec? So long, everybody. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking
0: business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it.